welcome. We are super happy that you're here with the Suicide Prevention Show and that you're here for this particular segment. In this session, we are going to have a deep dive conversation with Martina Nelson. And Martina is not your typical health food kind of person. And we'll get more into that in just a minute. But right now, I just want to tee it up. If you're here for How to Eat Healthy at Home, the survival guide for busy families, you're in the right place. So Martina, cool, unmute, come on camera, let's, let's have a chat. Hello, Jackie, good to be uh, here. It's good to see you, it's good to see you. All right, so we have to tell people who you are, why you do what you do, how you got to where you are, all of this good juicy story. But first, <laughs> we were talking before we got started about this idea of being busy. Yes. What's the busiest time in your life? The busiest time of my life has stages. <laughs> the busiest time can be when you are single and you go to grad school. The busiest time can be when you have young children and behold, when they grow up and become junior hires and high schoolers uh, who are really busy and you have a revolving door at home. <laughs> then it can be that you even build your empty nest and you are really busy. You were wondering how you ever raised a family. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, however, I don't have an empty nest. I have um, three of my four children moved back in through different life circumstances after college and grad school and are launching. So we are still a big, busy family and everybody <laughs> has a busy life. So that, that's currently. <laughs> so it sounds like the busiest time of your life was whatever time you were in at the time. <laughs> Yes. And I think with busyness, and we touched on that a little bit, I believe firmly you have to be able to be in, in control of your busyness. Yes, there is life circumstances that are thrown at you, hmm. but I think at any stage you have to choose wisely and according to your priorities and life values, what you are putting in your life and what you're busy with and what you say no to. There we go. Now that's a mouthful what you put in your life, what you stay busy with, and what you say no to. Wow. All right, that's a big topic. So we might end up going down that rabbit hole just a little bit. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about the impact that what we eat has on our body. The good, the bad, and the places that we could actually take control and not let busyness back us into a corner with our food choices. But I was wondering, how did you end up on the topic of food? I mean, first, would you go ahead and introduce yourself. Let people know what you're usually known for. Well, a little bit of background. I am from Vienna, Austria and grew up there through grad school. Um, and I grew up with a mother that had a lot of health challenges mm. and um, a lot of pain and chronic pain. And uh, she had me late in life. So I remember from an early preschool age, 
she, my mother was a forerunner, maybe 50 years ahead of managing her health with food choices rather than medication. And I grew up learning alongside her uh, what choice, choices she made and why. And uh, her body was extremely sensitive to processed foods and sugar and all the things that we now know affect you highly. And this was, you know, like I said, well before the time. And I uh, learned how to, that the importance of making healthy choices is not a myth. Mm. And I learned details. So I had a scientific mind from early age and uh, ended up actually uh, studying and pursuing food technology and biochemistry with a passion because I wanted to learn more about how our bodies and metabolisms are affected. And there you go. So yeah, I had no clue. I mean, I know you as a numbers gal. Well, I am a numbers gal and have been within that concept, but um, I had decades of passion in the research world. And <laughs> oh, I, how funny. Yeah. I had no clue. I thought you were going to tell us all about going into school and getting your numbers and your, you know, the, the bookkeeping and the accounting and the, all of those exposures and the business behind the scenes. I didn't know this about you. This is really cool. Okay. <laughs> I remember sitting in grad school in food chemistry and just being so excited to learn some of the pathways. In any rate, to fast forward, so I have always lived with a passion of um, being educated what you eat mm. before there was all the talk how it affects you. And um, and making good choices and um, planning around that and planning it into a busy life. I lived on my own for many, many years and I understood that it was important to even cook then. Mm. And when I had children, I knew that I wanted to instill in them good habits and the knowledge why. And that started my journey. Cool. All right. So raising kids with healthy food habits. You're the envy of many mothers because you had a background to be able to do that. And dads too. I'm not going to be into this whole gender bias thing. Right. But many parents were like I was, you know, raised by busy parents. So now we have busy parents who were raised by busy parents and the recipe books change. My mama's cookbook, you know, the red and white checkered cookbook, my mama's cookbook and the one that I got as a wedding gift were dramatically different. My mother's cookbook had all of the ingredients. Mine had all of these processed food shortcuts, the things in a can, mm. the, the mixes in a box, rather than this much flour, this much baking soda or baking powder. Yeah, you know, it was, you grab a box of Jiffy Mix, you know, or some other thing. I, I mean, and the difference between the recipes was dramatic. So we as a culture took a shift away from what we would now call clean eating or healthy eating. 
and we're trying to pivot it back. But this is not an easy pivot for a lot of people, especially now, because nobody taught us how to cook. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what's so good about healthy eating. What's the first thing somebody would notice if they started to clean up their diet? I believe the first thing they would uh, know is energy levels, uh, that focus cleans up, and their whole engagement level in life, their ability to engage in life, and their cognitive abilities. There is no doubt about it. And as a side note to the cookbook you got for your wedding, I, if I had a cookbook like that, I threw it away because... Mm -hmm. I knew that I was not going to use processed food and that it puts me out of control what's in it. And having studied food technology, I know what is in processed food. And that's why I was so passionate about not using it. Okay, so we're gonna so, go there for just a little bit. What's so bad about processed food? In general, I think you can say that processed food became way more prevalent uh, after the Second World War when industries and, and lives rebuilt mm -hmm. and um, science progressed in that sense. And we had to feed more people on lesser, uh, less manufacturing costs with a higher shelf life. So processed food will always be food-like products that are <laughs> being able to be produced at a very low cost, you know, for the business sense, a good mm -hmm. thing with increased shelf life. Okay, That's so from a business point of view, they're trying to keep their costs down, they're trying to extend the life of their product which yes. makes perfect sense from a business point of view, but what's the impact of that on the body? Um, our bodies are so great in adapting to what we put in, mm -hmm. but we will have consequences. It, it will show. So when we feed our bodies overall uh, not healthy ingredients or subpar ingredients. Oh, got it. Okay. Our bodies will adapt to a certain degree. However, we will have, have impact, especially in the long term, in, in, you know, later down in life, which we might not even be able to put the arrow back to, you know, connect it right. with the real origins. However, uh, our bodies are affected because there is a certain level of biochemistry, how we're made, that chain reactions have to happen. All right, so take me, take, take me there. Take me there into that well, because you connected the dots on brain fog. So the, connect the dots a little more. The, a good example is sugar. And it is very well studied and documented how uh, processed sugar in particular affects our brain function and, and all the chain reactions that we have in our metabolism. It depletes us of vitamin B12 immediately in order to even process the sugar. And therefore, 
Vitamin B12, for instance, is a is crucial component for the neurological processes of our brain and our focus and our ability mm. to make cognitive decisions. So that's a very easy and quick example. And if okay. we talk about processed starch and processed anything, you know, any other ingredients, it, it just becomes more complex. All right, so we're going to put a lot of it under the category of it's complicated. It but is. a simple sugar is a simple sugar, and a processed sugar is about as simple as it can get, that white granular stuff that I grew up with and had in most households. So it depletes the body of vitamin B12. Absolutely. That's really, really interesting. Okay, what's a natural source of vitamin B12? Um, leafy vegetables. Oh, okay. There we go. So if you're going to have a piece of pie, wrap it in a lettuce leaf. You'll be good, right? No, not <laughs> the proportions might not be quite as helpful to negate. But <laughs> 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 we need to know where the lettuce came from and how it was grown. Um, All right. So, so yeah, the, and, and there is this whole chain of what do you pay attention to first? Because the broad sweep of all the processed food out of the house, all of the sugar out of the house, all of these things that made up the normal diet, what people are used to, especially now when there's a lot more food being delivered, shelf life is becoming more and more critical. I mean, there were weeks, you know, back a couple of months ago when there was nothing in the grocery stores. And so if you didn't have something with the shelf life, you were not gonna have an easy time eating. So there's a balancing act that I'd love to just walk people through a little bit because this is a big source of stress in a lot of families and we need the edge. We need all the edges we can find as far as building up our immune system and calming down our stressors. Yes. So let's, let's make some lemonade out of these lemons. Yo, what's one thing that someone can do that they can start, start doing right away? A good place to start. I would think um, that would have been more of a last thought to send you off with, but if we're here at this point, I can throw it out. Um, one really tangible mm -hmm. uh, idea that I've, would like to challenge people with is to take a look at your pantry and your freezer if you have one, but your pantry, even if it's just one cupboard, what do you have in your pantry where you, without going shopping, could you make three healthy, well-balanced meals for your family right out of your pantry? Oh, cool, let's go shopping in your own cupboard. And I am talking about having a well-balanced meal that includes a healthy protein, vegetables, and carbs. Okay, so you're gonna take me virtually shopping in your cupboard. If you were doing that assignment in your cupboard, what would you make for your first meal? What would you find in your cupboard? I have options. Yeah, well, I get that, but what would you find in your cupboard that's a healthy protein? My brain is like completely blind. Tuna. Okay. All right. 
Cool. All right. That would be one meal. What's the second healthy protein that you would find in your cup? Nuts. Various nuts. All right. I don't usually think of them as a, as a meal uh, protein, but... They are. Uh, they are. Then there is beans and lentils. Okay. All right. They could be in a cupboard. All right. Yep. And cool. the quinoa, which is a grain. However, it's one of the highest in protein, so you can use that. Oh, I didn't know that about quinoa. Quinoa is that grain that's spelled with a Q and pronounced like a K. Yes. Uh, yeah, one of those strains. One of the highest protein contexts of all the grains. Huh. Who knew? <clears throat> okay. So um, those are healthy proteins. What, I mean, what vegetables would you find in your cupboard or that would balance out this meal? I have... It's a fresh item, but I keep it in my pantry is onions and garlic. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I have uh, a healthy choice of a, a spaghetti sauce, which is just a base. It's not a, a loaded with fat. So, you know, I've read the label um, and I keep that as a backup. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That, now you're talking something. We have this frustration in our household finding a base sauce that doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it or sugar in it. I'm like, why are they putting sugar in my tomato sauce? Yep. So, so my, on my uh, shelf is also just regular cut steamed tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Um if push comes to shove, I would have a can of corn, but that's just as a last resort. Got it. So that is not, uh, I would actually try to um, step back a bit and say, let's complement with what's in your fridge. Because if I have zucchini and um, eggplant in my fridge, I could make a very healthy spaghetti sauce. Got it. It's, it's, it's about looking for some staples that you want to have some staples so you have a place to start. Yes. And another one of my one liners is I hate grocery shopping. <laughs> and when I lived on my own in college, I went grocery shopping once a week and I kept that with a family of seven and mm -hmm. I still go grocery shopping once a week. Um, and then, and I do not ever have emergency shopping runs, ever. I, I don't remember a time in the last 50 years I've done that because I refuse. So if I am missing one ingredient to something I want to make, I will find a workaround. There we go. Problem solving skill. By the way, this is a great, great place to go because we've got a lot of people that are coming on the show. And one of the things that attracted them to this particular summit was that they've got kids at home. And the power that's possible when you get your kids involved in problem solving yes. and you give them this kind of a thing, you know, here, here's the kitchen. What kind of a meal can you put together? and let them figure it out for themselves. Because as far as I'm concerned, healthy eating includes healthy brain function. Absolutely. And, so and I am so passionate about 
people taking back power and control of choices to have healthy food and have healthy energy, have healthy relationships, especially in our busy, stressed world. Mm. And I believe very firmly that it is up to the parents to make those choices. There are choices, but you have to make healthy choices. And it will always have consequences of the choices that you make. And as a family, especially if you're not a brand new young family that is establishing habits, you have habits established. And it might be hard to change them, but it might be very worth to change them. You know, to mentor your kids and actually look at the years you have left before they leave to equip them with the process and with um, systems that they can use later. Um, so process, systems, yes. problem solving. Yes. And it, I one... am really strong on, in a busy life, a home-cooked, healthy meal will only work if you have systems in place. If you have shopping systems, planning systems, storing systems, and prepping systems in place. Hold it. Planning, shopping, storing, prepping. All right, now we've got four systems. I like things in fours, so this is really cool. All right, so a planning system, like a food planning system? Um, I am not a strict meal planner. I know very successful parents that are doing that and hats off to them. Uh, I like flexibility. And that's why I like options because mm -hmm. I get stressed out if I feel I need to follow a strict method. Got However, it. Uh, therefore, I'm also not approaching cooking from a recipe uh, starting point to my meal prep. I am shopping what's on sale, what I feel like, you know, a good variety. I mean, I have enough experience to buy a good variety of vegetables and fruit as the mm -hmm. fresh produce. And then maybe looking for some special recipes and otherwise knowing I, with each of these items of fruits and vegetables, I have at least three or four options I could go uh, with to prepare a meal. It could be Mexican style, Mediterranean style, and you know, depending on what spices and what extras I use. And what okay, I so a good planning system is not so much about following a recipe, but a good planning system is planning ahead so that you have themes that you can follow. Yes, and cool. to have things on hand to be prepared, because if you approach mealtime, and 100% of the time, it's coming every day, right? We know that. When you approach mealtime and you drive and you hit the dead end, you don't have options. You're hungry, you're stressed, you have in, you know, followers that are stressed and hungry, and then you have no options then to order out, to go buy pizza, go to drive-through, or go out to eat. So, I know that it is very possible to go out to eat as a family and go to restaurants where you have true healthy choices, even though it limits your control of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. 
mm. but there's enough restaurants nowadays out there that you know have farm to table kind of mm -hmm. food. but you will pay for it you, yeah. you know you will pay a price tag and um, I don't think that's really a sustainable way of feeding your family so so prior planning could prevent that kind of panic um, absolutely. And and, and here's, the, here's the deal. People talk about how expensive the ingredients are and, and, and cooking at home is always going to be less expensive than eating out. Always. Always. And so it is more the time commitment, I think is where many, especially we're talking busy families here. That's how we started this. The time commitment is often where the expense is because let's face it, we can only invest four things. We can invest our time, our talent, our treasure, and our trust and i'm going to invite people to trust that they can do this that they can start this shift into planning out just enough ahead so that you have themes now if it's easier for you get the recipe create your shopping list from half a dozen recipes in your set for the week now, whichever way works this comes under that my favorite saying you can't do it wrong no so, you can't do it yeah, start with a little bit of planning ahead all right so that's the system there's a whole spectrum there for planning systems everything from follow the recipe and and shop from the recipe to create some themes that your family likes yes. and do your shopping according to the themes sometimes i challenge families to even come up with 10 meals they like yeah. and and rotate those till they have enough energy to explore a new one, right? And it also depends what a family's coming from. If they have had habits in place where they um, feed on processed food ingredients and on processed food or frozen food, then they have acquired certain tastes. And the body um, will know that. The body will have had adapted. So if they start putting um, good source food ingredients together there will be a adaption time you know but so substituting substituting one ingredient at a time for something that's a little fresher absolutely. okay um, and i believe that especially with children whether they are young like mm. a year old or teenagers um if they don't like something it's an acquired taste a you know palate and taste i believe firmly is a learned and acquired um preference it's not inherited so i believe you need to start early to expose your young children to different tastes and and they will not like you know some of the things that they will like later but if you Oh. expose them to a variety they will learn to acquire new tastes and be willing to try new things and that's really interesting because my pickiest eater out of three kids is now the one who is the most um, willing to explore in her kitchen that's interesting you know letting her and, and encouraging her kids to be um creators in and the kitchen it take a while to adapt and mm -hmm. and even you know have teenagers come along and say okay i like this but it's okay they need to learn that if if people get educated 
and buy into the truth mm -hmm. that you are what you eat in the short run and in the long run, then they might be more willing to try and hang in there till the body actually loves it and they can feel a difference. With some foods, you can feel a difference immediately. My, um, my big point is that for this to be successful, you have to be prepared and you have to have systems in place so you're not finding yourself, you know, stopping your car at a dead end and say, now what? I don't see a way. Cool. All right. So we touched on planning systems. So let's go to shopping because you actually touched on the shopping system and I loved it. It was on sale. So that's my favorite type of shopping to do. Yeah. Let's go in and find out what's the bargain. What's another guideline? What's another part of the shopping system other than looking for what's the best bargain of the day? So I have a few thoughts on this. Stepping back um, a step, it starts with knowing what you shop for, which if you change your ingredient list, then your shopping might change a little bit and you need to know that. Mm -hmm. But um, knowing which stores you shop what at, knowing mm. how to shop as in comparing unit prices and not just buying because the store tells you it's on sale. Uh, oh, that's my favorite game is when I was, my kids were learning math and yeah, they didn't have the price per ounce on the sticker back then. So we had to take our calculators and figure it out. But we found time after time that the big jar, the big can that was on sale actually cost more per ounce than the little one. Sometimes that's true. And it, it is true. It baffles me when I keep seeing that. At least now they've got that on the stickers. Yes. And the, the challenge though is some things are priced per item and some things are priced per ounce. So it does take a little bit of looking to make sure that you're comparing ounces to ounces. Overall, I think with time, you will acquire enough knowledge to know what's on your list, what you usually buy, you know, and where it is and, you know. But my, uh, a big point I want to make is to know where you shop for what. So you can have a simple system, which I do, um, and start stickies per store what you think you need. And I have it in the inside of the cupboard, so it's not um, messy, but I have different, you know, my, my main stores, and it goes from the groceries to the household items that I buy at Costco once in a while, but the list creates itself, and since I said I will never have an emergency shopping trip, when the list is long enough, I go shopping. And um, so the list created itself. I've heard of a very sophisticated system, which I love, uh, that uh, mom created actual Word documents or Excel sheets that she printed out for each store, what they buy where, and had the kids help check off if they take the last thing off the item to check that they need to get that. And then they just took the paper and went shopping. So either wow. one has the same result. Um, but that's really important. So you're not going to the grocery store or anywhere without a list, number one, and you go organizedly and you have your inventory in the back of your mind. Like I said, your freezer, your fridge, and your pantry. 
And, and those are systems you have to learn to keep stocked. And if it's breaking the budget that you make that a one time, you know, now I up my inventory, you can go a while and shop for two or three things extra, you know, and then have like a, a min max, like every manufacturer has a mm -hmm. min max in their inventory. When you reach a certain point, you reorder. For me, like chicken broth or um, tomato paste or, you know, some of those items, if I have two, I'm buying another case. If I have, you know, I want to have six to eight mm -hmm. in stock because... So figuring out your tolerance, where, where your stocks are. This is part of the shopping system is the inventory system. Yes. Which is, so these things really do flow nicely together. If you start with a little bit of planning and your inventory, from there you can just start building inventory gradually. Yes. And then you are guaranteed not to be doing any panic purchasing, which is a great way for a great way to reduce stress in a household is yeah. to be able to be in a prepared so that you're not you know, purchasing in a panic. Yes. And I have had situations where, you know, a bunch of people show up mm. and All I of have, a sudden you have company. Yeah, but you know, especially when kids bring friends and now everybody is hungry, what would you do? And you need to be able to produce something out of your pantry in a jiffy, you know, and yeah, yeah, we have food. Sure, we have food. No, we don't have to order pizza. Yeah, there we go. All right. So storing systems was the third one, and I want to make sure that we get through all four systems. So we went, we started with the planning system, the shopping system, storing. What what's a storing system? You need to know what foods you have. Obviously, canned food you store as is. Um, but open, so on the advanced level, I would challenge people to buy bulk, whether it is bulk in uh. small portions or bulk as 50 pounds. And then you, you know, storing becomes a different question. Then it's a, a different conversation. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. but obviously you store, if you buy oats and nuts and lentils and legumes and flour in sizable bulk form, let's say a few pounds at a time, not 50, mm -hmm. you know, you have containers. Um, I think we all go back to glass containers because they are inert material rather than, you know, plastic that then leaches into the food, even though there is plastics that are made better than others. Okay, so, so we'll start there and we'll say the ideal storage system is glass because it doesn't leach anything into the food. Yep, and yeah. that's the old time. Remember our great grandmothers and grandmothers stored like that. You know, and, and then storing is two tier because there's storing the jars that have food in them and then there's storing the empty jars so that you have them when you go shopping. And so it does take a little bit of planning to create some space for the tools that will help you do this easily. Yes, but you will find yourself quickly that you then will have enough storage containers because you're going to put the same thing in. You know, you're going to have one jar for your oats, one jar for your quinoa and for your almonds. And then when it gets low, you buy more. Got so it. One. And then the other is, of course, the fridge. 
mm -hmm. what to store in the fridge and how long it can be stored. And I have a very important prep aspect to that. And then um, your freezer, you know, and, and again, there is um, a place and people can find themselves in life situations where you need to just live off freezer meals, which might be a little bit better than just going out to eat or going through the drive mm -hmm. absolutely. Knowing that it's, you know, a, a prepped lasagna will be a processed food. It mm. will be, be prepared at low cost and high shelf life. But if that is your breaking point and now you come together as a family and you have a meal and you build relationships, then do that and fill in how you can and adapt how you can. And that's why I feel like some of my ideas are really adaptable. You don't have to go 100%. You do what's important for your family. But the important thing is that you bring, you, you feed your family nutritious food because it affects mm -hmm. your body and mind and soul. You make it in a way that, that feeds relationships and you, you, know, you bring the family back together. And, and I think every family member will find... Um, a reassurance of their place in the family mm -hmm. the connection. That, that sounds like a really, really helpful when you have some systems in place that everyone is participating in. So that, and one of the biggest challenges I see in families is we create something, but we forget to tell everybody the new rules of the game. And so everybody ends up playing a different game, gets a little crazy in the kitchen. So communication will be key when you're setting up systems. Communicate what they are. It's, yes. It seems like the super easy thing to do that we forget this stuff. And I'm guilty of it. I have a personality type that I'm like, what? You couldn't figure out what I was thinking? Yeah. So bringing me down to communication being a key skill here. All right. So we got planning system, shopping system, storing system. And the fourth one? Prepping systems. All right. What's a system for prepping? I'm like, you mean beyond knowing where my peeler is? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, there is foods that take more time that we can prep ahead of time that can be frozen easily. I'm talking in particular about meats, uh, chicken, beef. You can make a bigger portion you can buy on sale or in bigger bulk mm. and you can prep the meat portion, whether it's in a big pan or an Instapot or, you know, whatever means we're choosing and you have available, but you can prep a bunch and you can even make it taste different. You can portion it out and, and already put a different sauce and make a, you know, make your own barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce is loaded with not good things, including sugar and high fructose corn syrup. But if you buy you can, commercially made barbecue uh, sauce, reading the label is really critical. Reading the label is, is There are some that are really good and the ingredients are good. Um, so you can change it up and then you can portion it and freeze it. And uh, the other thing you can easily prepare and freeze is uh, beans. Rice freezes very easily. Oh, really? Absolutely. Know. Noodles do not so good. 
Yeah. Don't want to freeze fish that you've already prepared. That's a no-go. But there's a lot of little ingredients, you know, ground beef you can portion out. Like that's my go-to. Oh, I have nothing else. I have a bag of ground beef already cooked, already seasoned. It can make tacos. It can make spaghetti sauce. It can make, you know, it can be crumbled over a salad. I mean, like five things you can do with it. So that's your, your um, protein portion can be easily prepared. And then um, I also like to do, for instance, rice. I like to cook it in an Instapot. I love to put already little lentils or beans with it, cook it. I have a enhanced, you know, rice bean or legume combination is already a whole meal and cultures mm. survive on that. Um, that can be stored in the fridge, if not frozen, but stored in the fridge for a few days and you can make different meals from it. And the other big prep that takes a lot of time and is a lot of times the stumbling block is the vegetables. And there is a whole group of vegetables that you can easily wash and cut and put in a bag and it lasts a few days in the fridge. So when it comes to mealtime, you have your meat and protein, you know, your protein source available, you have your mm -hmm. carb ready, or you quickly cook noodles or, you know, your potatoes. But your vegetables, you pull out and you have ingredients to a stir fry, to sauteing, to roasting, to, you know, you have options. And now you're just doing the final touches and what doesn't take as long, rather than starting with creating the meal, creating mm -hmm. the recipe, creating, you know, now you start. Well, you know, that whole overwhelm thing of, yes. what was the commercial? Planning dinner, night after night after night, and the family's all in the living room in front of the TV, and the mom is by herself in the kitchen holding a frying pan, and of course it was for a meal in a box. Yeah. That's how we got hooked on processed food as a, as a culture is we got sold the idea that meal planning was hard. We got sold the idea that it was a boring, isolated, kept you away from spending time with your family. I mean, that commercial did such a disservice to our culture. And so changing that around, rewriting that script so that everybody's in the kitchen together, people are sharing about their day. They're talking about what's the best thing that's happened to you so far today. Yes. What's your best idea for seasoning this? You know, these kinds of conversations, the opposite of what we were fed through our eyes and our ears from a television. If we put a little bit of thought and creativity into it, Meal time, meal planning time. And I've heard people get really creative with this. I know people who cook and while whatever it is is cooking, they're actually eating the meal that they cooked the night before. So they were just cooking a day ahead and eat and being able to heat up while they were prepping for the next day. Yes. So there's, there's some creative things that can be done once you have the ability to give yourself permission to do it other than the way that we've been induced to do it, that we've been invited to not be engaged with our families. And since this is the Suicide Prevention Summit, I will tell everybody this falls totally in line 
with the summit because I believe that one of the reasons that we are seeing such a challenge in this area of suicide attempts is that we're not spending time in a family environment where we can see emotional resilience, where we can see people disagreeing, we can see people problem solving without it becoming a problem or permanently damaging a relationship. And without that experience, kids are not catching on to the fact that relationships can be resilient. And without that knowledge, every disagreement becomes scary. Mm -hmm. Every time someone says, I don't like you, can feel like a wound. And so the time that families spend together, problem solving, working things out in a kitchen, are some of the best skill set building times for your family to prevent having problems in this area. So I'm highly encouraging everyone to come together, pay more attention to how to eat healthy at home. And Martina is coming up with everyone that's going to be able to get the survival guide for busy families, these four systems that will help you just stay in place and stay on track. And so all of those will be in the show notes. You'll be able to find them for yourselves. And if you are watching this right now, just thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. All right, Martina, we have gone from A to Z, from planning to shopping to storing to prep. What's the last thing they're going to want to do? Enjoy each other while you're doing it. Yay, I love it. (laughs) Martina Nelson, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm super glad that you were able to make time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate being able to share.